0: Uh, who, then, um, But we'll start right now. So who remembers when well, I last time at youth I spoke about mash and gravy? Who remembers that? And so I was talking about consistency. Can anyone say consistency? Consistency. And so consistency is purity. Purity is holy. Holy is set apart. What's set apart? Light from darkness, good from evil. And then uh, and then when we are set apart, that's consistency. Because when you have mashed potato or gravy, when you have all the lumps and yucky bits removed, that's consistency, which is purity, which is what we're after in our life. And so then we look at Psalms 119:29, It says, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. And so we can easily lie to ourselves and say, it won't happen to me. That's what we're talking about, not lying to ourselves. And so the way we don't lie to ourselves is knowing the Bible. And so when we know the Bible, we are set apart and we live with consistency like a good mashed potato or good gravy. And so that's what the lives that we want to live like. And so if you missed it, Listen to the podcast, because that will help us for what we're going to talk about today. So today, this is my short title. So, what do you do when you do what God tells you, but he doesn't follow through? I'm going to read that one again. That's a short title. What do you do when you do what God tells you, but he doesn't follow through? Short title, but that's what we're going to be looking at today. Or um, we could talk about, say, it's a study of Jonah and Jesus, and we're going to do a spot the difference. So we've looked at a few videos pictures before, I've done another message about spot difference between Stephen and Samson. And so now we're going to look at Jonah and Jesus. And so you could all, we're going to be talking about dealing with disappointment. Can everyone say that? Dealing with disappointment. And so the title was, what do you do when you do what God tells you, but he doesn't follow through? And so we're just going to look at a few Bible verses to start us off, which isn't in Jonah, but so Exodus 25 to 6 in Deuteronomy 5, 9 to 10. And they both, same verses, but Different pastor, Bible says this You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection of any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, and their entire family is affected, even children to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. And so, people often have a false understanding of God, and they'll talk about, Oh, see how evil God is. Look at all the evil in the world. Um, Oh yeah, if how can you believe in God and there's all this evil and suffering? But we see there, so it says that God, uh, will puts things to the third and fourth generation of badness, but He will puts t- goodness to a thousand generations. So to me, that tells me that God's good far out- outweighs His bad. And so when I think about heaven, heaven is far greater than the badness of hell. And so people often go, they, go, they want to become a Christian because they want to miss out on going to hell. They're going, I want to be a Christian because I know how good heaven's going to be. And so that that's just another thing to look at. And so. With that verse earlier there as well, people often talk about what the parent walks in, the ki- children will run in. And it's the same thing as well. So what, whatever, with our parents do something bad, we will often do that bad thing worse. And often what our parents do good, we'll do gooder, better, even, even further to the extent of the positivity of those things. And so that's, that's what that Bible verse is talking about. Then Exodus 34, 6-7 says this, The Lord passes in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh and uh, the Lord. Then God of, uh, the God of compassion and mercy... I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. Their entire family is affected, even children in the the third and fourth generations. And Joel 2.13, don't uh, tear your clothes in grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love he is eager to relent and not punish so hopefully you saw a, a thread and a theme through all of them so i'm going to quickly pray is that cool for us god we just thank you that you're going to speak to us tonight that uh, your your word has power your word has life and that we can leave this place in more of a connection to you and we just pray that you help us see the difference between jonah and jesus and really uh, take your spirit upon our lives in a fresh way that uh that our family, our schools, everything in our, in our society, in our life can be changed because we're in it for your glory. Amen. Fair dinkum. Who knows what fair dinkum really means? Now, I don't know if I got my leg pulled today, but Kyle Bond, Bond, Kyle Bond, told me that fair dinkum actually means pure gold in a, a Chinese. So when you say fair dinkum, apparently that's actually Chinese saying real gold. I could have had my leg pulled big time, but if that's legit, But, so, uh, I don't know. That apparently, Carlos uh, is, <laughs> we'll, we'll look at that later, but I don't know whether that, that's what fair dinkum means or not. But, so, uh, so, uh, then we're gonna, so, with the whole unoffendable series of things, if you want to get a t-shirt, we still got a few left, so we can give you one. But, um. It, we started the whole thing with buttons. Who remembers that? Stuff like buttons don't have buttons to push. And so, for example, um, who's heard of the saying, it's like walking around on eggshells? Because it's kind of like, there's a person that gets so easily offended that you've got to try and watch your step in case you crack an egg and offend them and push their button. And so trying to not offend someone with buttons is like trying to not push a trigger for an explosion to go off. We want to not have that. And we don't want to be that person that people are are like that around us. We've got to be, there's got to be so like, bubble wrap because like, oh, in case we do something, we're going to be unoffendable people. And so um, when I was having all this stuff, God was speaking to me about the unoffendable things was that Jonah and Jesus, God was sort of sh- speaking to me a lot about their life. And I thought, oh, I've mean, been my first message I preach about, but then it never ever happened. And then I didn't think I was going to do it, but then I have. And so this is, where, this is what this message is about. So w- if we're in Jonah 1, we're going to read that, chap- that whole chapter because it's so massive. Everyone there, Jonah chapter 1. Here we go. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of or whatever it is. Get up and go uh, to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He brought a ticket and went on the board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their God for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all the time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Uh, so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Oh, sorry, I got the, the, whatever you call it, the punctuation wrong. Get up and pray to the... Uh, Pray to your God, maybe He will uh, pay attention to us and spare our lives. Quickly, so that's spot the difference one, right? That's what I'm saying, Jonah. In Matthew 8 23 to 27, it says this Then Jesus got into a boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. So what do we see there? First of all, both Jesus and Jonah are in storms and boats and can sleep through it. That's interesting fact number one. We'll keep reading from where we were in Jonah. So chapter 1, verses 7. Uh, then they... Then the crew cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as a culprit. Why has this awful storm come up down on us, they demanded. Who are you and what is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the seas and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the lord oh why did you do the uh do it they groaned and since the storm was getting worse all the time they asked him what should we do to stop the storm throw me into the sea jonah said and it will become calm again i know that this is terrible storm is all my fault instead the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land but the storm sea was too violent for them They couldn't make it. They cried out to the Lord, uh, Lord Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, "Don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death." O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him uh, for your uh, for your own good reasons. They. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Woo! That was a bit of Bible reading. Uh, my translation said great fish. Does it also say whale, does it? Yeah, great fish. Uh, uh, maybe other translations, I'm not... I'm not the, the Bible writer. But so that's, that's those parts there anyway. And so now we're going to, because we're doing a bit more study, we're going to go down to chapter 3. So Jonah's in this fish and does a prayer. We're going to skip that and go to chapter 3. And I'm going to quickly read that one then as well. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Say a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Here's a point for all of us here and those on the podcast. When God speaks and we disobey him, when he speaks again, there's a very high chance that when he speaks to you, it's going to be about the first thing you disobeyed him in. There we go. That's what happens. When you don't listen to the message once, he'll tell you that same message again. Then this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command, come on somebody, and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. One on the... On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. <laughs> That's what he that did. Then the people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Burlap is kind of like uh, potato sack. If you don't know what a potato sack is, hopefully you did that at primary school in like a, a potato sack race or something like that. Um, Hessian is another name for it. Uh, when the king of Nineveh heard uh, heard the, that Jonah was, what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent uh, his decree through the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw that they had what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Wow, that was powerful there. God changed his mind. First of all, with fasting, a lot of people today think, oh, fasting, I'll just fast Facebook, I'll just fast a TV show. Get the Vision 180, look in the first three page, it talks about fasting. And that's a great, uh, really good understanding of what true fasting is. I would encourage you when you do a food fast, do those things as well because they can be distractions. But um, what a real fast is. And I think that's crazy. They even got the animals to fast. Our church has never said, let's do a, a week fast and get the animals involved. But that's just another thing that they were so committed. They even made the animals fast. Say animal fast. Animal fast. And so now we're going to quickly look at, Chapter 4, and uh, we're going to go um, verses 1 to 4, and then verse 10 at the very end. So we're nearly finished this big bit of reading. This uh, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. So disappointed Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God. We've read about this all before we talked about the Jonah stuff. Um, uh, where am I? And slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. Just, uh, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I had predicted did will not happen. The Lord replied, "Is it right for you to be angry about this?" Then verses 10. Then the Lord said, "You will feel sorry about the plant that you didn't uh, do. You did nothing to put there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than whatever that is. Is um, 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness? Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city?" And so that's that's Jonah done. Can everyone say, "Phew!" That's done. So I think we... Now, that's the story of Jonah. And we're going to quickly look at John 3.16. Who knows what that off the top of their head? John 3.16. But we're going to read 17 as well. This is what... So we read about Jonah. This is Jesus. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him uh, would not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So basically... Um, the that's the two differences there, that Jonah came into Nineveh to bring judgment upon it. And then Jesus came into the world, like Jonah going to Nineveh, not to judge it, but Jesus came to save it. And so Jonah was disappointed that, G, uh, that, the, that God didn't actually judge Nineveh, but save them. But Jesus came to do that very thing that Jonah was disappointed about. But who's ever been disappointed? Anyone here be disappointed? Amy has. Oh, I heard a funny story of a birthday. I can't remember if it was a birthday or a Christmas present, and I can't remember whether they played basketball or soccer, but this person saw this ball under a Christmas tree or, or, or under their presents pile or whatever it was, and they're like, yes, my dream has come true. If they're playing basketball, I get a basketball, or, or if they're or a soccer player, I get a soccer ball. And then what happens is it comes to their birthday or Christmas Day, they open up the present, and it was a globe. Like, you know, those ones, like, and they spin around, and they're all heartbroken, and they're like, no, this is ridiculous. My, they were disappointed. Who, know, who Who's ever had um, that kind of a thing for a present, something you've been disappointed? Me, oh, I've had that. Another one is, for me and my sisters, I don't know about them, but I was very disappointed when I moved to Port Lincoln. So before we moved here, we lived in Mount Barker and we went to a school in Strathalbourne, which was kind of like going, say, living in Port Lincoln, going to school in uh, North Shields. It was kind of like that distance. So we had to catch a bus maybe a bit further, but we had to catch a bus to go to school and mum and dad promised us that if we moved to Port Lincoln, we'd never have to catch a bus again. So we moved here. That was like the only positive. About it. Everything I hated about moving here, that was the only positive. I wouldn't ever have to catch a bus again. In hindsight now as well, I don't even know why I didn't like catching the bus at Murraylands. It wasn't actually that bad. It was actually pretty fun. I had all, all my friends were on the bus and so I don't know why I hated it so much, but coming here, I was like, yes, we never have to catch the bus again. Then give it like months or something I was like oh now the bus comes past our house now you can catch the bus and we're like but mom and dad you said you promised And, and and that was a disappointment i was disappointed when they broke their promise and made me catch the bus again um and uh but and so it it was like it crushed me i was like what you promised you said you didn't you didn't follow through with what you told me um then Mum had her birthday this week, and so Mariah was telling me, "Come to my house at eight thirty and we 'll cut the cake and it 'll be all sweet and awesome and I was like, yes that 's going to be the best'll uh, I, I'll, I finished footy training about seven thirty so I thought yep yeah, i 'll have enough i 'll have an hour so i 'll get home, have a shower, get ready, and then it's technically forty five minutes to have my food." have my shower then I'll have 15 minutes then to go back to Mariah's house and I'll be there on time I'm in the shower and dad knocks on the door they're cutting the cake now and it was like eight fifteen, so I still had like 15 minutes and I was like are you serious I was so disappointed because I, I hate being late I hate not being there on time and it would I was like missing out and so I was just I was I was very disappointed and so then um I am um, I'm in the car driving, and there was a battle going on in my mind, in my head. And I was, I was like, I'm going to be grumpy at Mariah. I'm going to tell her like how disappointed I am. I'm going to be like, I'm not going to be annoyed, but I'm thinking, I was just having this battle. I'm like, yep, I'm going to let it out, Mariah. I'm going to tell her how she's wrecked it because because I wanted to be there to sing happy birthday to my mum, and you stuffed it up for me. And, so, and the, but then the battle in my head was going, but you know what, Josh? you are uh, disappointed, you are annoyed, but who controls your actions, your disappointment or or you, you yourself? Do you control how you act? Yes, you're disappointed, but what's it about, your disappointment or you celebrating your mum's birthday? And so I was really challenged because I was like, I, and I, I didn't do it perfectly when I got to Mariah's house, but uh, they're like, oh, Josh, are you sad? I'm like, no, I'm not sad. I'm disappointed. There's a difference. I don't want to cry. I want to punch someone. <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference. Um, but then uh, it's so good. He, in the Vision 180 on Wednesday the 9th of August, it talked about secrets of joy, and it had four points to end with. And so the first one was happiness is external, joy is internal. And so basically, before I read the rest of these, is with disappointment, the opposite of disappointment is joy, and joy from the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to go, is, do we have joy of the Spirit in our lives, or are we letting dis- uh, disappointment determine how we act and so first one was happiness is external joy is internal and so number two happiness depends on outward circumstances joy depends on inward character Happiness depends on what happens to us. Joy depends on who lives within us. And so 1 John 4 four says this, The Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Often quoted, greater is he who lives in you than he that is in the world. So meaning that the Holy Spirit in us is far greater than the demonic powers of the world who try to come against us. And so when we're too busy, worried about uh, ha- ha- having a happy life, We'll get disappointment and then we won't have happiness. But when we have joy within us, when we have the Holy Spirit living within us, that will outweigh the disappointment of the rubbish that faces us. But last one, happiness is based on chance. Joy is based on choice. And so what's your choice? Do we choose joy or do we go, you know what? No, I'm going to let the disappointment and the chance of things going right work for me. And so with my title question at the start, what do you do when you do what God tells you but he doesn't follow through? And so we've got to be asked, are we Jonah or are we Jesus? And so I, um, uh, I knew God. Uh, so Jonah knew God's heart It's because we read all those things about what God is. He's slow to anger. He's filled with um, compassion unfailing love. And, and so God knew Jonah. Sorry, look, look, Jonah knew God's character and he got disappointed because God used his character rather than doing saying that he was going to destroy everyone he and said he was slow and merciful and didn't he showed compassion didn't get angry at him and so Jonah knew knew that the people should die right that's where he saw that he he believed that they were guilty of death and but then um that he didn't want to have God's compassionate love overflowing to them because it make him look like a peanut but then jesus' message of and so but the difference is Jesus' message, so who knows what gospel means? Good news. And so the message of the gospel, and so I think somewhere in the Bible talks about, Jesus says he started preaching the gospel, the good news is that repent of your sins and turn to the, king because the kingdom of heaven is soon or near. And what the difference is between what Jonah's message was and what Jesus' is, is that Jesus's good news message was that I've come, that yes, you, like Jonah said, you should be wiped out in 40 days, but I have unfailing love and compassion, that that will not be the outcome for your life. And so basically when we see the gospels and the good news, that's what the, the the Bible means when they talk about the Gospels of Mark, Luke, and John is saying that really like Jonah saying to the Ninevites, that's what should have happened. But the good news of the Gospel says, no, that doesn't have to happen, but we can be repented of our sins and all those things. And so Jonah was focused on what he looked like, a liar, because that's what he thought. Oh, I look like a liar now because what I said didn't happen. But Jesus's focus was that people would be saved and, and not worried about his message entirely. And so both had the same opinion on God. That he is merciful, loving, forgiving, but one cared more about how that made him look, and uh, uh, and its outcome for people, when the other cared about people involved and in what it looked like for them. And so we got to ask ourselves, what 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 are we what are we seeing? Do we want to see people saved and know Jesus, or are we too worried about being p- ple- uh, God pleasing our desire by? Uh, doing what he's told us to do, and so I don't know what things it could like. I doubt God's going to be in the New Testament world for us going, "Oh, Sean, oh, come, or right, I go to your school and tell everyone they're going to burn in hell." But we got to go when those times where, where the question is, just like for Jonah, is um, what do you do when what do you do? Got to write. What do you do when you do what God tells you, but He doesn't follow through? Jonah had that time of disappointment, and he let it kill him. But we've got to go, God, we don't want to be like a Jonah. We want to be like a Jesus and go, you know what? It may not make sense when we do what you've told us to do, God, but joy, the Holy Spirit within us is going to be our outcome, not our disappointment, and we're going to be like Jesus. I don't know if that made sense to you, but we're going to pray it out anyway right now. And that will be all sweet. God, we just thank you that you spoke to us. Uh, we just pray that you clarify in our spirits more and more of these weeks the difference between Jonah and Jesus. We just pray that you give us a greater revelation of what the gospel is, the good news, that, that you have compassion, Jesus, that you have mercy for each one of our lives, that we don't need to die, but as, when we repent and own up to the dumb things that we do, the oops or no moments, that you'll show forgiveness, that you'll show love, and that you'll show grace that we can see our friends, family saved, and the people around us all living in a right relationship with you, God. A.